Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Stream of Thought. And today we start off by a little confession that I have about a book that Victor offered to me that I haven't read yet, which translates into me rereading a book that I had published back in the day. And then I talk about a home improvement project that I did in my bathroom. This time around, I had a little more experience, so it was pretty smooth. We also talk about the unruly children at the church service that Rick's witnessed and just his disappointment. And also a little bit of rage, question mark. So with that being said, episode number 216 of Stream of Thought. We hope you enjoy. You're caulking your bathroom? Yeah. You're actually doing handyman stuff. It's the second time I've done it. And there's such a sense of pride when you do a job that you've never done before. Now, I've tried this. This is the third time I've ever done it in my life. One time I tried it, and I had to do it in the bathroom in the house I used to live in, the one I grew up in. And my mom had me do it, and I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know anything. I didn't watch any YouTube videos. I'm just looking at the instructions on, like, the bottle. It was just like, it sucked. The second time I did it was here in the apartment the was the second time I ever did caulking. First time here in the apartment. And I did an okay job. I watched YouTube videos, but also I ordered a tube that was way smaller than I thought on Amazon. And so I had to like conserve it and I had to pick and choose where to do it. And I was kind of rushing it a little bit. And so it started looking gross again because I like didn't do it right. And there were some spots, you know, there was, you could start to tell there was like mold, like little pieces of mold that were going to grow, that were growing on behind it because it was clear. The one I had bought was clear, so you could see through it too, right? Anyway, this time I get the white caulk because with the clear caulk, I couldn't tell if it was a spot that I had gotten or not, right? When you're you're going over it because they once you get all the crap out of the way, you pull the trigger and you let it go over and then you get your finger wet and you run your finger along to smooth it out. This way uh, – or this time around went way better. And I'm so proud of myself. And it looks such a much cleaner finish. Still looks like an amateur did it. (laughs) But it's a lot of improvement. And I'm very proud of myself. And you know what's crazy too? I was like, hmm. If someone ever says, mentions in passing, oh, my tub or my standing shower needs to be caulked. But I don't know how to do it or I don't know anyone. I know. I can estimate and tell them exactly how much it would cost. And know what to calculate for labor because now I've done something. And believe it or not, my shower, just like a single-person shower, like half of the one that you have at uh, at Joe's, right? I would estimate it at – I mean I'm not – I mean a professional would estimate it probably like two hours and maybe, maybe do it for like 50 bucks is what I'm imagining. I don't know because it's like nothing for them, right? I don't even know. But this took, like, about three hours to do. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah. And much of the time was the prep, just getting cleaning up all the shit. I was, like, vacuuming every every so often all the latex and rubber shit and stuff I was scraping away. And, uh, yeah. Honestly, that is one thing I think I've done that maybe once, maybe once in my entire life. For all, like, the handiwork that I've done, doing caulking I I just I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where you just got to get in there. Did I tell you uh, what the result of my drywall patching thing was for my parents? I can't remember how much we talked about that on the podcast. Before. I don't recall. I don't think so. But I thought of you when I was doing this work. Isn't it so nice? 
just to like have the skills yourself just to get it done so you don't have to bring someone in just whatever and so uh, kind of the end result and just as a recap my parents had a leak in their soffit right above the sink where a pipe was going through and there was drip 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 and so eventually it created this little wet patch and they for the longest time weren't sure what to do and how to you know make that work and uh asked me to because they ended up having a plumber actually come in because the plumber himself had to navigate the whole thing because there was a it's an old system and so had to repair everything and um tighten tighten all the screws insert like little plugs to make sure that it wouldn't leak anymore but as a result there were like three gaping holes in the wall and they're like, well, Rick, you did drywall before. Can you can you patch it up? And I was like, sure. Uh, uh, why not? I mean, there's still there's still material left from when I did it before. So ultimately, I was able to repair it, and uh, my mom ended up painting over it the n next weekend. Bro, it looks like brand fucking new. I am I genuinely no bumps, no curves. It's as smooth as it can be. And I am pretty damn sure that it is going to be that way for a really long time. My brother rebuilt the steps, the back steps at our house. And uh, I don't know how he did it. Like, I just, my brain doesn't think, like, he, I would, it's simple as building steps sounds. There's no way I would even really know where to begin how to properly build steps. No, <laughs> no. Heck no. And he just, like, did it by himself, and, it like, he did a br actually pretty good job, really good job putting it all together. And I was like, how does someone – not my thing. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, hey, any, anything that you can do to reduce the cost of um, someone, someone from the outside coming in, man, there's so many things that we have the ability to be able to do. I know, like publish our own books. Ricks, yes. tell me about – your reading lately you said you left the uh you left atlas shrugged which i told you recap real quick i told you a good birthday gift would be to buy your buy that book read it and then talk to me about it and read it with an open mind and you left it in new york or new jersey so you've been reading the books that you published as a teenager and now you are motivated to write a fourth book in the installment Okay, so I will, I'm will. i going to start off by saying, yes, I have been reading Ayn Rand, Atlas Shrugged, getting through it, slogging through it. It's not It's not as enjoyable as I thought it would be. I no, mean, dude, it's a saga. You gotta let, you're, you're not even halfway through the first part of the book. There's three parts. That is true. It's a whole, it is an entire epic saga. Which, I, in, in, because I... I accidentally uh, forgot to bring it back home. You know, I mean, I only had so much space in my luggage, man. You gonna don't, bring it. I know you don't gonna bring it. give me that look. I, it's just, I. There's only so many things I could bring back. But it, it it's, represents it's, something that you have to do that you don't want to do. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes, doctor. You're leaving yes. all of that in New Jersey. Yes, doctor Phil. I I understand that. Uh, and so, so, in kind of a... It's like I'm trying to hand you a piece of enlightenment, and you're saying, uh, no, uh, I'm with stupid. Duh. Like, 
I understand there are many things in that in that book that you disagree with that you probably disagree with, you know, and half of them have to do with uh, unconsciously making a decision to just latch on to whatever decision other people made about it. So you don't even know. And all I said was, you are doing yourself a disservice not reading this book. And the reward is understanding me that much better because I'm telling you this book is very special to me and in general. And there's things that you are overlooking or thinking you're too smart for. And I'm trying to fucking tell you that there's a ton of good shit in this fucking book. <laughs> bro, bro, I don't, e- I don't even need to self-flagellate myself. I have you for that. Fucking bring bring out those whip tails and just fucking la- lash me across the back, my friend. Yeah, no, I I deserve that. I'm I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue. I'm not gonna argue. I I totally I totally deserve and that. And now I just feel so exasperated. Just and also just out of I just uh, what what just happened? Something just took over me, and I just I blacked out for a second. What happened? I don't know. What happened? <laughs> What just happened? What are you talking about? <laughs> see, see, and here's the thing. You know I can be a bit of an asshole, and uh, it shows in many different ways. Thank you for reminding me how much of an asshole I actually am. I, I genuinely appreciate that. <laughs> like, hey, you gotta, you gotta be checked, kept in check every once in a while. But, but in light of that, uh, I, since I don't have any reading materials right now, and... I mean, you can see for the Zoom call, and the same thing that I've been doing with a lot of my Zoom calls or whatever, I've got this little, like, setup behind me where I've got all my religious stuff, and then down on the second uh, second bookshelf, I've got um, books that I really like and appreciate, but then I also have the two books that I published when I was in high school. And so I, for, I don't know what came over me. I think it was just a feeling of, like, what some, I feel like I just needed to be creative again, and that's something I haven't done in a long freaking time of just generating new ideas. Yeah, with the church stuff, it's all great and, and stuff like that, but I I love the idea of fantasy, and I've been, you know, binging on Amazon Prime movies and TV shows and stuff like that. It's like, I could totally come up with a better story than that, and so... Here, we have books that I have not read for probably a good seven or eight years. And I was like, okay, so the first one that I published, I think I was a freshman in high school when the first one came out, so 2003, I want to say, 2004, Mm -hmm. something like that. And so I started reading it again. And, okay, so this was a self-published book. It was not, it didn't go through an agent or anything like that. And so basically it was just my words that made it onto the page. Did you ever read any of this? And the, the series is drag dragons and angels. And so originally it was supposed to be a trilogy. You didn't read it. Okay. Did you ever want to read it in the same way that I want to read Ayn Rand? I told you, yes. I told you I'd order it on Amazon and you said, no, don't even waste your money. I'll just give you a copy I have at my house. Well, that I was, was like, okay, was... he sounds he sounds real thrilled about his own book. I guess I'll just get it from him whenever I get it from him. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm, you know, in, I'm reading through this. And so, first of all, one of the things that just catches my eye that just bothers me in general about 
literature is when there's spelling or grammatical errors. Oh my god. As a 13-year-old, I, I probably, like, now, me, as being a 30-something-year-old, I'd probably punch my 13-year-old self in the <laughs> face. Bro, come on. What are you, like, it, it's so, I would say, I would say probably one every, every three pages. There's some sort of grammatical error that just pops up. And it, but it, it's not a subtle grammatical error, like there's a comma missing or something like that. It's like spelling for... Like, he went for the dagger, and it's spelled as the number four. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> Ricks. Young Ricks. <laughs> I am just so disappointed in you right now. I'm reading this. Uh, but, here's the thing. is like, it's a damn good story, dude. Like, overall, it's a really good narrative. It is so distracting to try and read something. You just never thought at that age to get a second pair of eyes. I did, it. though. But but here's the thing. Unless you get a professional editor to, like, notice it. It's, it's 380 pages. The first book is 380 pages long. Like, there's only so much that a person can do who's not a professional editor. And a professional editor costs, for a book that length, would probably be something like $3,000. To go over it. And that's part of the reason, too, why hopefully when I get to the second second book, move on from the first one to the second one that was already published, um, reread that. I am so hoping, so hoping that uh, because I had more people take a look over it and kind of do edits and stuff, that there's not that issue. But that first one, man, I mean, it's such a good story. It's like basically the, the overarching narrative kind of reflected this in, inner thing that I had going on of, like, trying to find a place in the world and feeling like I was just an insignificant nobody. And so the story is this dude, the main character's name is Maverick, and he ends up uh, finding out that he's the son of this really great figure who had been spirited away to a small village with his uncle for the longest time. And then suddenly he realizes he's in the midst of this battle between good and evil and it embarks on this quest across this entire land, which also, by the way, for uh, it's it's called the land of Shadar. And I actually drew the map of Shadar when I was like 12 years old and ended up using it. it it's uh, actually in the front page of the book. Like, saying where where everything is, you know, with a lot of fancy novels, they'll have maps and stuff like that. Bro, real quick, I opened up this uh, old-school book at a bookstore, and I was I got it as a joke gift to one of my friends. But it was some, you know, cheap, low-grade story you could tell right away about, you know, magic or a troll or something like that. And in the there's the map in the book, and I'm looking at the map. And the map says the land of whatever, right? Like this, the land that it takes place in. And it shows you like certain areas of, yep, certain areas on the map. Yep, the compass and like where a marsh is or like river or mountains, right? And I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, this is uh, the state of Florida. Right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm looking at this map. I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely getting this as the joke gift. The map of the magical land or make-believe whatever. I'm like, this is definitely Florida. This is definitely and Florida. This is the, and this is the Florida Keys. Yep. Right. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that actually reminds me, too. And as I, as I was flipping open, I because I've, I've got it right next to me, 
um, showing you the map that I had done, I did I did a little uh, special thanks to section, which I haven't read in many many years. And one of the things that we talked about is who who was that uh, junior high English teacher that I could not remember her name, Miss Heisley. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know if you remember her. So, remember so a special thanks to my father, who I mean, dude, like we did D and D, and I was I can't remember who it was who I was talking about that. Oh, with uh, Zachary earlier today, uh, we had a, a ministry meeting between one another. I was like, I forgot how much I love D and D. That whole creative element. Mm-hmm. You never played that, uh, Mrs. Yeah. He- Mrs. Heisler, Mister Op, English teacher. I remember I, you, that name. You know, but you never had Mr. Op. No. And then, uh, and then my dad's friend uh, from the comic book store, Stuart Cabias, who had, who actually did the artwork for the first book that I had done. So, nice. yeah, it, it. I mean, there's all these different things, though. But, bro, I mean, the fact that I was having these theological conversations, because ultimately, you know, it, it's supposed to be an adventure, like a fantasy adventure novel, but it really gets into the question about like good and bad light and darkness like what makes a good person a good person what makes a bad person a bad person it's like the whole thing is that it's there's it's a gray area no i mean every any everyone and anyone can kind of encounter all the all the full spectrum from lightness to darkness and where we normally find ourselves is in that gray middle and it can fluctuate depending on the circumstances and environments that we're a part of it's like these this this was the thing that I was so consumed with back in the day, which is part of the reason I didn't really have too many friends <laughs> during that period of time. But how many people could say they wrote a book when they were thirteen? So what if it has all these errors in it, right? Yes, and so so I'm looking at that. But what I was thinking, and I don't know, maybe maybe we can kind of like uh, bounce back, uh, kind of feedback what you think. I'm like, why not? Because part of what I've been doing for the past six or seven years is just playing around with social media, digital media. Why not just do a a separate podcast thing for the book and just narrate an audio version where I can actually physically recreate some of those grammatical or spelling errors and just make it something that people can listen to, you know, make it, make it a free thing, put it out there. Because it's a good story in the end. It's just super distracting. <laughs> like when you're trying to read the text and, I don't know, thoughts? That's a great idea. <laughs> because then, no, it is. Because then the listener gets to hear the inflections in your voice, right? Yeah. It's easier for them to be in the world that you created. I know. And like you said, if the errors are distracting, right, then you're killing the experience. As I'm reading this, too, I found myself, and this may seem a little, like, nerdy or dorky or whatever, as I'm reading it, I found myself, like, saying some of the sentences out loud that I found really cool and stuff like that. Like, you shall not enter this place. Like, in my head. Like, and then it, it's just coming out of my, my mouth. I was like, what are you right. doing, Ricks? What are you doing? But I was like, oh, but I'm so I'm so caught up in the story where it's like, yeah, dude. Yeah, do a, uh, do a narrative for sure. Get on that right away. Okay, yeah, because that, that, that is something too. Because I don't have a pastime right now, to be 
totally honest. I do not have pastime. And I have always had some sort of pastime. And yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where I think to myself, maybe there's something there. Especially too, I had relatives who ended up ordering this book back when I was in high school and reading the first two ones. And they're like, when's the next one coming out? When's the next one coming out? Never came out. Third one's totally written. And I realized there's going to have to be a fourth one. So overall, it's looking like probably about 1,200 pages for the entire saga. And I had, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things. I, I Sorry, I, I kind of geek out with this sort of thing. But would you get the first one? Would you go over it again, have it re-edited and republished? I, I was thinking about that, man. I I think that it, it deserves a good rewrite. Because a lot of it, too... Right? As a 13-year-old who had never had a girlfriend or anything like that, I'm writing about love and relationships and stuff like that. And you're just reading it, it's like, oh, this this kid has never actually had a relationship <laughs> in his life before. There's this one romantic arc that starts up about two-thirds through the first book. And it continues. I'm going to see how it progresses, but it's like, and he looked at her and suddenly couldn't speak. And it's like, these are these are two people who knew each other for a while. How could she be so beautiful? And he was stunned, and his words could not contain the excitement that he felt within his soul. But then he moved on, and they continued on their <laughs> way. I was like, oh, no, this is, yeah, ro romance, romance at its best, my friend. You got to, uh, you got to re-edit, <laughs> go through all these, republish them as PDFs, make a website and make them available for free download as PDF, right? Because you said another public publishing companies won't actually publish it for money if it's already out there for free. Right. Right. So just make a PD, make a website, make a PDF for free, and then make a what's it called um, first edition or something, and have it how it is right now for everyone to enjoy. <laughs> oh man! Or have it, it as an NFT. Have the first edition as an NFT. <laughs> things right i had i had the deep philosophical background the struggle between light and darkness but then when it came to like interpersonal things that i just wasn't familiar with i mean even even like conversations with new people were kind of clunky and awkward ultimately it kind of didn't distract from the overarching story i'm like man you could tell you could tell that a child is writing this because there 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 are certain gaps as i'm reading this we're rereading it I'm like, oh, wow, holy cow, I really didn't understand how, like, relationships worked. <laughs> like, that was something that was just totally... And now, and now, too, the people who are reading the books have gone from inquisitive fan to patronizing supporter. You know, you're reading this thing, probably, and you know what? Good for this kid. Good for you. Yeah, I'm going to stop right here, but... You know, good for him. Well, and that's the other thing, too, that I think about as well. And this is something that I know that, that I've done. I did with, the, like, the autobiography thing that I'd shown you a couple of years ago, just about all the Chris stuff. Which, by the way, thank you for actually reading that. You and Neil, I think, were the only two who actually read this entire, what was it? It I'm was, it was like two, 250 pages of just... right. But even when we had that, all the other shit that went down after that, I'm looking. That's volume one. You got like a four, at least a minimum four to six volume series going on here. 
and uh, I've been waiting. I'm so scared. Like I know, I know it sounds stupid, and I know it sounds corny. I just, I'm scared. Like I'm scared to actually try and get it actually published by an actual publisher, get an actual agent, stuff like that. I don't know. There, there's that. There's that. What, what is it? You've talked about this before. That mind block that you have that you like prevents you from being your fully actualized self and it just keeps you down and you're not able to actually go through with it and so hopefully rereading these books that i'd written freaking 15 years ago can provide me the impetus to just get 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 off my ass and actually get her done get her get and get her and get her done <laughs> Okay, so here is something that I know that I haven't told you. The uh, conversations that I've been having with Brother Zachary, who you've had the opportunity to meet, uh, I think I mentioned on one of the previous previous podcasts that Joe, Father Joe, was not very happy about the fact that his kids were running around during the service. I think, I, I think we went over that a little bit. I don't know if you... No, I didn't know any of that. They were running around in the backyard? Dur no, 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 no. Dur during his ordination service, they, we, as everything was going on, um, there's the, the prostrating yourself, like laying down on the ground, and uh, as the litany of saints is re uh, read or sung, um, it's supposed to be a super sacred, super special event where everyone is solemnly... Uh, listening to the recitation of the Litany of Saints, which just go. By the way, it's way too fucking long. I mean, there. There's okay, got like, it. But Brother Zachary is on the ground in on a the sacred ground, symbolic and, symbol, and the kids are running around. And more than that, they're like jumping on him, like while he's on the ground. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> what? One, one of the one of the one of the kids the, the younger one who's like i I, th I think their ages are like three three and six years old or something like that or four four and six years oh old my God. and so the the little one ends up like climbing up on his back and just laying down on his back as he's is prostrated himself for the litany of saints which is the culmination of the whole ordination experience and, but th throughout the entire service, I mean, before and after, the, the the young one is just running up and down the aisles, back and forth, da 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 da, da. And, I mean, Joe was pissed. He was so upset about that because afterwards he had a couple of, uh, especially the wedding couples who don't come to church often, they're like, that. I mean, we love the service. It was just, <laughs> it, uh, just a little distracting to see, you know, kids just running up and down the aisle. <laughs> And just being free and stuff like that. <laughs> where was, where was their mom? Here's the kicker, my friend. His wife was there, and she she just watched them. She just looked at them. <laughs> no no attempt to to restrain them or anything like that. And Joe was so upset. He's like. That can't happen anymore. Like, like it's oh wonderful. It's wonderful to have kids. It's wonderful every once in a while. For, but the entire service, man, <laughs> running up and down the aisle. <laughs> you know. Well, and and during um, like the we had a, a colleague, a former uh, colleague that I had from Union Theological Seminary. She was there, and she was giving the sermon or the homily, and the kids are, like, running back and forth in front of the pulpit the entire time. No one's focusing on what she ha has to say because they're there. And so, 
like Joe's like, what is this? What what is going on right now? This is insane. <laughs> I felt the same way. Uh, <laughs> so, who was in charge of all of that? And why, where is the accountability outside of Brother Zachary? Who was in charge of all of that, and who should have stepped in? So, here's the thing. I didn't realize this, and for the longest time, it has baffled my mind, because this happened, what, like a month and a half ago? Couldn't make any sense as to why this happened, how this happened, how... Um, Zachary's wife wasn't, you know, stepping in just to be like, you know, come come back to the side. There was a conversation that we had this past week where it was just mentioned offhand, but it suddenly everything clicked into perspective. So, you know liberation theology, right? I've talked about that a little bit before, where I studied black liberation theology. Basically, you know, the oppre- the oppressors is the, the white construct of the human, you know, the America, et cetera, et cetera, that inherently disenfranchise minority communities, particularly the black community, don't give them the opportunities that should be afforded to them should they be a white person. He said his wife is a uh, follower and advocate of child liberation theology. Is that a fancy word for they don't want to deal with shit and they just want to sit back and not be responsible for their kids? So I haven't looked too much into it. Like I didn't I didn't probe him too much when it came to figuring out exactly what he meant by that. But I did a little bit of research because I was just trying to make sense of it was anarchy. Like these kids were fucking monsters. I mean, they're they're wonderful kids, but dude, it's a fucking church service. Are you kidding me? Like some sort of decorum is needed. And then when he uttered those words, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, anybody anybody who's, like, an advocate and a proponent of liberation theology tends to be super, super radical. I mean, I'm one of the few people who can kind of, like, balance that, that tension, mainly because I'm a white dude who's interested in black liberation theology. So, like, I understand that there are social constructs that prevent us from actually uh, actualizing, you know, justice and equality. But, bro... People who believe in liberation theology, especially something that's an abstract or not established liberation theology, tend to be insane. And, like, I I say that very kindly, because his his wife is wonderful. Nothing against her or anything like that. Respectfully, they're crazy. Respectfully. (laughs) Respectfully. Respectfully. And, but, but, but it's also, like... What what I was also thinking, too, is that, okay, so let me not be so quick to judge, because I don't have the full, I don't have the full picture as to what this actually means. I, but I don't know if she graduated with a theological degree. I don't know if this is something that's I don't been... care what your beliefs are. At a church service, you need to have your kids under control anytime they are in public. You would think so, but looking at this theology, which I had literally never heard of, and I have a couple problems, that children are inherently disenfranchised by adults because they can find them and force them to live within the constructs that adults have created. Children are free beings. They are pe- they are they are human beings who are worthy of escaping the realm of constructs that adults have made arbitrarily and thus there should be no uh kind of uh there should be no there should be no boundaries as to what they are allowed to do 
they should be free souls and they should be allowed to do whatever it is that they want to so long as they are treating others kindly even if it means they're running and screaming around during a church service because that is an adult construct that needs to be torn down respect sounds like a construct that's uh pretty widely accepted and appreciated anywhere exactly but and to just have someone off the hinges completely imbalanced is a it's just a freaking tornado right and but but the whole point is that those norms are constructed by adults without taking right. into consideration children's freedom and ability to experience the world in a pure and unvarnished sense and so I would, or yeah. adults can just be more aware and stop being such adults. I think about this all the time, right? Like it's a symbiotic relationship where you take turns leading, right? You yes. got to take turns. You got to let the children take the lead on certain things and you remember or learn certain things, but you also need to teach them about the world and try not to be too rigid and just be more aware of what you are passing down to them as a belief that is not necessarily truth. But, I mean, I understand what they're saying, but you just can't have something be totally crazy. Which is what it feels like. I mean, okay, and so here, here's where I come from, and maybe you can bounce back with some of your own thoughts. Like, I felt like I grew up in an environment where freedom was encouraged. Like, go out, you know, play in the yard, you know, battle with sticks and pretend that you're knights or something like that. And that got me to writing those books that we were just talking about earlier, like... I had these things in my head because I had the freedom to be creative. And it was it, like, you know, part of it was that I didn't have very many friends when I was growing up. But it, it offered me kind of a, a new insight just to, to be an observer of the way that the world worked and stuff like that. And I thought, I mean, as far as child liberation theology goes, like from what I, you know, kind of skimmed over, I was like, that sounds a lot like the environment that i grew up with but there were strict rules man like you know if i got caught stealing or something like that i was punished and it's like yeah there's gotta yeah we want constructs but at the same time man you you gotta you gotta adhere to uh certain certain elements that just bind us together as a community so i, I don't yeah, at know. least make them brush their teeth you know those kids all those kids growing up in elementary school, I'm just like, how is it that your parents just give you unlimited soda? Their teeth are disgusting. They have, like, all these freaking cavities, and they just drink soda all the time, and they have candy and shit. And it's like, this is not healthy for anybody. <laughs> so with that. <laughs> episode 216. Until next time. Until next time. <laughs>